love that visual that he brought up of that mountain on the last scene as if on cue and he didn't know because I didn't know till eight o'clock this morning that I would be uh, ministering today but the Lord quickly helped me to put something together and I pray that it will be a blessing to you so um, let's pray and then we'll read the scripture we thank you father in the name of Jesus and we welcome your Holy Spirit here We thank you, sir, for everything you've prepared for us. Speak to us even what your servant does not say. Come, Holy Spirit, do what you do best and communicate to God's people whom you love so dearly. We welcome your power. We welcome your supernatural wonders. And we welcome you most of all to speak to us this morning. Speak to sons and daughters. Lord, let none of us leave without having been changed. We give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said... Amen. This morning I'm going to speak on shout grace to the mountain. Look at your neighbor and say shout grace to the mountain. Zechariah 4 and uh, verse 6. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Everyone say the word of the Lord. Say the word of the Lord can do more for you in a second than doctors can do in a lifetime. The word of the Lord can do so much more for you when you get a divine revelation. Um, it goes on to say, I better st- just keep going. Um, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Everyone say, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's such beautiful words right there. But he doesn't leave it there. And he goes on to say, who are you, O great mountain? I love it here that the Spirit of the Lord does not diminish the strength or the power of that which is before Zerubbabel. That which is an overwhelming odd. That which looks unpassable. That which looks impossible. I love it that the Lord does not have to play the game of denial. But he rightly stands with you and says, I know this is big. I know this is too hard. I know this is a task that you think is beyond your reach. I know whatever dwells in that land of impossibility or overwhelming odds, whether it's a relationship being restored, your family getting the right place, finances coming together, that dream that's not been fulfilled. I love it that he says, oh, great mountain. But before Zerubbabel, you shall be leveled. Everyone say be leveled. The new King King James says become a plain And he shall, being the Lord, and Zerubbabel, bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands shall also finish it. Can you say amen? I love it right here before we get in. I have two points. I love it. There may be a lot of things in between those two points. But I love it that before we even get into this, that we can say, That the Lord had positioned this man named Zerubbabel. He was a governor in the right place in the right time. I'm sure his adversaries, his enemies, the doubts in his own mind, Devin, had caused him to believe, Peggy, that possibly he wasn't at the right place at the right time, but he was. I love it when the Lord gives this great proclamation, this encouragement. I love that he ends it by saying, and hey, hey, hey. If you thought somebody else was going to step in and do the work I called this man or woman to do, you are surely wrong because the hands that began it 
are the hands that will finish it. I don't know about you, but some days I don't feel like the sharpest knife in the door. Are you with me, Jean? Some days I don't feel like the most capable jewels. Some days I don't feel like, boy, if I just had a little bit more strength. Reminds me of a, a, a story that's told, a little jokey story, of these five men on a small plane. And they were traveling. They were all going to receive wards. One was a Boy Scout. Boy Scout. One was a pastor. One was um, the smartest man in the earth. The fourth man was a scientist on his way to get the Nobel Peace Prize and the pilot. So they hit horrible situation in the plane, and the pilot said, I've got bad news. There's no way out of this. We've got parachutes. We're going to have to bail, or we're all going to die. And he grabbed his parachute. He said, the problem is we have one less parachute that we need. So one of you is going to have to find your own way to your destiny. He jumps out of the plane. Well, there was no, the four, four began to talk about himself. It was no brainer. The one, the scientist, going to get the Nobel Peace Prize. He just solved a major crisis. He gets a parachute, he jumps out. Um, then it was the smartest man in the earth. He'd been voted the smartest man in the earth, a Boy Scout and a pastor. They looked at each other. What's well, no brainer? Um, I mean, the smartest man in the earth, he needs to, he took, he took his thing and he jumped out of the plane. The pastor looked a little Boy Scout as only a pastor would, and he said, Son, I'm ready to meet Jesus. You go ahead, you take the last parachute, and I'll just die here on the plane. And the little Boy Scout said, hey, Pastor, hey, Pastor, don't worry. The smartest man on the earth, he just grabbed my backpack and jumped out of the plane. <laughs> I love that because it's so awesome because it just reminds me I don't have to be the smartest. I don't have to be the cutest. I don't have to have the greatest intelligence all I got to do is know is greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Can you give him a hand clap of praise? I love that. I love that, that God says, what I began in Gerald, I will finish. What I began in Tanner, I will finish. I'm not going to check out and say, well, Rhonda Davis is just not exactly what I thought she was when I called her. I thought she was cuter, wiser, smarter, most talented, more talented, more anointed. But dear God, we've gotten, dear myself, we got to the middle of this situation. And I, some of you got that. And I see that she is just not all what I thought she should be. So I'm going to tap Leanne to do Rhonda Davis's job because I know that surely Rhonda can't do it. I know that when God called you and I and God called Zerubbabel and God called Donnie and God called Austin and Josh and Keith, God knew what he was getting into. He knew every weakness. He knew every past sin. He knew every roadblock. He knew every stumbling stone. He knew everything you would get into, get out of, get into again and get out of it again. And he chose you knowing everything. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I love that. So my first point is, I love that the Lord encourages Zerubbabel. Divine encouragement is powerful. Look at your neighbor and say, I encourage you today. The interesting thing is that encouragement at its base of its word means to give courage. To give courage. I love that God shows up. And if, if you allow me the way the passage goes, it would just make sense the first point be here and second point, but I'm taking the second point of what the Lord said and bring it up above, and you'll see why, that he encouraged him. He said, who are you or what are you mountain before Zerubbabel? I kind of envision, because I like to envision things, that it's like the Lord put his arm around Zerubbabel, who was a governor. What was before them was the work of the Lord had stopped for 14 years. Everyone say 14 years. And you and I can't be delayed a year. Come on, somebody. We can't even wait 60 seconds. Come on, people. 
We want, um, we want microwaving. Bob Sorge taught me this years ago when we live, God wants marinating. Come on, someone say amen. And here we are. And 14 years, what God had called Zerubbabel to do is not happening, Jennifer. It's not happening. And every day, Zerubbabel had to pass by that which was unfinished in his life. I don't know about you, but I could look in the mirror and see what's unfinished in my life. Can I get an amen? I mean, I could look in the Word, and the Word will tell me what's unfinished in my life. I can look at that vision that God consistently gives us because God consistently shows up in the best and worst times to uncover and remind and rehearse to us what he sees in us. Our potential, which we've been talking about on Wednesday night, the vision for our life. And I, you know, here is Zerubbabel, and he's looking at that which is unfinished. Every day he's going by for 14 years. It looked impossible. You know, if something doesn't happen for a month, oh, that's okay, or for a day, that's okay, for a week, for a month. But then all of a sudden, fear has become greater than faith. All of a sudden, apathy has overtaken vision. Despair has overridden hope. When something is unfinished and in that category of unfinished, and all of a sudden, the Lord said, and I believe God is speaking to us right where we live today. God is speaking truth to you and I right where we are. What in your life is an overwhelming odd that's against you today? I'm not talking maybe a great storm. Maybe it's just you don't know how your marriage is going to work. You don't know how you can raise your kids by yourself. You don't know how you can keep going to that job. Can I get an amen from anybody in the house? You don't know how you're going to, if you're a woman, keep food on the table and and do 17,000 things that one time and uh, wash more glasses than the world ever intended to wash. Can I get an amen? It just sometimes is responsibility. Look at your neighbor and say responsibility. That seems to be in the overwhelming audience. And I love, I said this Wednesday night, Brother Gerald, that God wants you to get the vision for your life. God wants this church to uphold its vision because vision will keep you on the right track. Vision will remind you, I said this Wednesday night, when we do the dinner theater or um, it, it, men's breakfast, I've never been invited to men's breakfast, I might bust through there one day, but anyway, but all the things that goes on here for the church, our community theaters, um, our celebrate recoveries, all the things that we do, I have to ever before me keep a vision fresh and anointed and touched by the spirit of the Lord because work will weigh you down. Can I get an Amen. It says that the people were weary. Zerubbabel was weary. I'm not speaking weariness over us. I'm just speaking to what the text speaks to us today. And God spoke to him right where he lived and brought that vision up. I, I was thinking this week, Leah, um, about a Sunday morning that I was at North Cleveland Church of God. We're evangelists. I would go from North Cleveland to Cleveland Christian Fellowship because I loved the spirit that flowed freely there. They're still dear friends of ours. And North Cleveland, when I wasn't on the road traveling with Pastor Hank, because we evangelized all the time. And I was sitting in the overflow room in the old sanctuary, and this young black gentleman got up and he sang, Naaman, dip in the Jordan. I know it sounds crazy, Naaman, but go dip in the Jordan seven times. I don't even remember. I got to look up the song someday. It was like the water, the muddy, the water is muddy. The mud is deep, but get down in there, Naaman. I was sitting there holding Courtney, who was asleep in my arms as a baby, and because she wouldn't go to the nursery at that time, and I was holding her, and the Spirit of the Lord just grabbed me. You want you know why? Because my husband was believing that God had called us to Cleveland and that this property should belong to us. It was up for sale. There was bidders coming right and left 
trying to outbid us. But I didn't want to live in Cleveland. I did not. I grew up here. I didn't want to be a pastor in Cleveland. I wanted to be a pastor in Hawaii. Can I get an amen from anybody? I wanted to be a pastor in Cali. I would not live in Cali now. Only if God wrote it on the wall. Um, I wanted to have a church in Arizona or Florida. You can see where the flesh was wanting to go. Can I get an amen? And sitting there in that overflow service, as some of you have heard, Spirit of the Lord moved on me. And we're, our, my second point, whew, my second point is Kairos. I'm not yet there yet, but I'll tell you ahead of time, I had a Kairos moment, a set moment of God, a set time. When the Spirit comes and does in a second what no man can do. And I began to shake with that baby in my arms, and I began to cry, and I began to weep. I couldn't control myself. I, I don't remember how the church service ended, but I grabbed her. I got into a, our little car. I don't remember which car it was, but I do remember it was small. And I came on this side over here where the dirt is. I drove up. There was, just, there was nothing here but dirt, dirt, dirt. And I drove up on this side way over here on this property. And I got out. Courtney had fallen asleep in her car seat. And I got out and I laid in the dirt and I wept because the Spirit of God's hand was on me. It was a Kairos moment. I'm going to tell you, when those moments come, pause and let God be God. Can you say amen? And in that moment, the Lord gave me a vision for this church that he had already given Pastor Hank, but I didn't have it. This is what I love about that. Sometimes the people around you will not have the vision for what God's going to do through you and in you. And you just got to give them time to catch up. Can I get an amen? Sisters in recovery, your mama, your Aunt Betty, your Uncle Tom, your great cousin, Janudi. I hope you don't have a cousin named that if you do, but God bless her. They may not have... They may not have the vision for your life. Give them time. If the Lord is with you, they will get on the path. Can someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise? And as I got out, I wasn't expecting to say this. As I got out into that dirt, there was a, an Israeli song. We say Israeli. Kelly was here recently for Angels Homegoing, and we were talking about all the Israeli songs we used to sing. But it was, in him we live and move and have a being in him we live and move and it goes on and make a joyful noise i remember the rest of it Woo! Um, but then it goes um it was in him we live and move nothing is impossible for you that's where it goes all of a sudden i could hear multitudes singing that song as i laid in the dirt crying and the hand of god was so strong on my back sometimes you just have to be willing to be made willing you may not feel like you're willing, like Reese Howe said when God said, I'm calling you to the Scottish Isles. Are you willing? And Scott said, no, I'm not. And the Lord came back and said, Reese, are you willing to be made willing? Philippians says it is God in you that causes you to want to do the things that please him. And sometimes you just got to give God time to say, I'm willing. I'm not willing to do what you said. But I'm willing to get into the process that makes me willing to do what you called me to do. Can you give him a hand clap of praise this morning? And there the Lord Jesus gave me a vision of what this church, Pastor Hank had it. There was no worry with him. He had it. When he gets a word from the Lord, we're such a great pair, he moves like lightning. I'm behind him praying, are we sure God's in this? Are we sure God's in this? Um, but it's how we work together. And he sometimes has had to push me. He pushed me into ministry. Um, get a man who believes you can do more than you can, and you are set in the kingdom. But here's the deal. I heard that, and then I saw the Lord Jesus. Some of you remember this. He gave me a vision. Everyone say vision. And I saw him reaching into the four corners, Donnie, of this region. And he looked down at me. He said, I've called the, whoo, sorry. I've called the herding and the scattered sheep. It's tender. I'm bringing them in. Why won't you join me? 
Hallelujah, Jesus. And I saw him pulling in hurting and wounded people from the four corners around this region. He was so glorious and so mighty, he filled the heavens, and his arms were not thwarted. And on that day, I got in line, and I got in agreement with my husband, who would not move unless I was in agreement. Find a man who believes you can hear from God. Can you say amen? And in that moment, God gave me a vision. I want to tell you something about that vision this morning. What is that great mountain before you? In that vision we see God's hand is not thwarted. Your prodigal brothers and sisters, relatives, cousins, people that you work with. That hand that I saw out there in that dirt was never stopped in bringing the hurt. And to this day in 2019, some 27, I always get it wrong. However many years we've been here, God has not been thwarted and he won't be thwarted in your life. That means he won't be stopped. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And God's giving Zerubbabel a vision. It's so powerful when God gives you a vision. you got to know who you want to be and then decide what you want to do. I know who I want to be. I want to be like Paul who said, I'm a servant of the Lord and an apostle. Servant is first. I'm a servant, then I'm a pastor. That means if I, can, if I pick up buckets and clean the commodes and you don't know about it, I'm a servant of the Lord. Because when you define yourself as a servant, you will never be out of a job. Come on, somebody. You will never be left wanting something to do. Brother Stowers, I remember how you stood out there in that parking lot and parked those cars. Uh, Brother Stowers was a breeder. He even helped my little Maltese come into the world. He janitored all over this place, cleaned it. He's a servant. And guess what? He's still a servant of the Lord. If you aspire for a title, if you aspire to flex your muscle of power as we all do in our families, who's going to be at the top? Who's going to be at the top? It's usually the baby that wants to be at the top. Who's going to do this? It's usually the toddler. Who's going to take charge? Or we can say, I want to define myself by who I want to be known through all the days of my life. I'm a servant of the Lord. If I become a doctor, a leader, a nurse, a, a lawyer, or whatever, that's going to be second. But number one's going to define me my whole life. I am a servant of the Most High God. Give Him a hand clap of praise. And what would it be if we had vision for each other? What if we gave courage to each other by saying, I see this? What if we connected as a group to our vision, the glory of what can be and should be? God spoke to Zerubbabel, and God speaks to you. There will be many times in your life that you're dealt with less. Everyone say less than favorable circumstances. But God is greater than your less than. And God gives him vision. And God says, I love this, Zerubbabel. He could say, Pastor Todd. I love it that he stands there with him and says the name of the person. What are you, old great mountain? Before Pastor Todd Haggard, don't you love that? He does not even say, what are you, old great mountain, before me? I'm the Lord. Oh, no. Because he wants to build confidence in you. What shall we then say if God is for us? Shall persecution or angels or demons or things present or things to come ever separate us from the love of Christ? The answer is, and he puts his arm around, I like to see it around Zerubbabel, and says, what is this great mountain before you? And he speaks to the mountain. You're going to be leveled in front of Zerubbabel. You know, I love the things that God says behind our back, but sometimes I just need to know what God's saying in front of my face. Anybody with me? I need to know what he's saying. I mean, God's always talking about you behind your back in a good way. Look at your neighbor say in a good way. Oh, yeah, you don't know me, Pastor Ron, if you just knew what he's saying. No, God is always saying what he sees in you, what can become through you, what he's accomplishing through you, what can happen through you. 
But I love it when I hear what he's saying. And he's giving a word so strong. I remember in 1983 when my friend was walking me through my inner healing. We'd gone so far. I'll come to that in a moment. But he wrote down a verse. I have a book at home and I looked through it. I've, I've, I've laminated all these handwritten notes that the Lord gave my friend, Pastor Mark Schrade. And the verse was Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Remember you not the former things, says the Lord. Neither perceive the things of old. Can you not perceive it? I, the Lord, am doing a new thing. Everyone say a new thing. I'm making rivers in the desert and streams in the wasteland. What God is saying to Zerubbabel, I know you've been passing by this thing that's been unfinished for so long. Isn't that where so many of us are? You've been passing by this thing that's been unfinished for so long. And it's wearied you. You know what, Zerubbabel, it's gotten to where your posture's not as strong as it used to be. It's gotten to where you're looking down a lot. It's gotten to where you don't believe that you're enough. You know, that you, you, don't, think that you, you don't think that you can do this. He could have, Zerubbabel could have worn himself out because this had set for 14 years because people had been hired to frustrate the plans of God. You know, there's something in politics called opposition research. And if you don't watch enough of the news, I could go on three hours about this right now, but I'm going to leave it. Opposition research, which means if Pastor Todd and I are both running for the President of the United States, we'd never run against each other, Pastor Todd. We'd be on the same ticket. But if we were to be, it means I would do opposition research. I would hire Christine, the best and brightest, to research everything in his past, everything he's ever done wrong. I'd search his yearbooks. I'd search everything. You got to catch up with the times, people. I'd search everything about him, and I would bring it up in opposition research. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You need to do some opposition research on your adversary. His name is the father of lies. He does not know how to speak the truth. We need to know that when he says something can't be done, it's usually for one reason. He wants to frustrate the plans of the Lord and you expend all your strength and energy try to solve a problem that's beyond you. When Isaiah 30 and 15 says return to your rest in quietness and confidence is your strength. Can you say amen? Amen. Philippians 4 and 12 in the Ben Campbell Johnson translation. Most people don't read it, but I know about it. Because Christ is the energizing center of my life. I have limitless power of God's grace. It's the same verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here God is telling them how they should handle. Because intimidation, everyone say intimidation. Always wants to overwhelm me with a sense of fear. But God is encouraging Zerubbabel. God is telling Zerubbabel, Josh, if you'd come help me. I'm not gotten to my second point. We'll go ahead and get ready for it. God is telling Zerubbabel, you know what? God is telling this mountain, Zerubbabel is going to see you be leveled. And God could have easily said, what are you, O great mountain, before me? What are you, that obstacle, that, that, that land? And God says the most absurd word, but I'm going to tell you something. God is famous for showing up at the worst and peculiar times of your life and speaking a word that's absurd. When your husband was an addict, he said he's going to be a mighty man of God. When your children were lost in sin, he said they're going to be prodigals. When you're dealing with fear, he'll call you courageous. When you're dealing with doubt, he'll call you great man and woman of faith. When you're sweeping in the wine press like Gideon, he'll say, oh, you mighty man and woman of valor. Because God will not check your feelings before he speaks his word. He will not check your checkbook before he says you're going to be blessed. He will not check your 
situation before he tells you. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts higher than your ways and your thoughts. You see, lies and distractions and doubts and fear come to tell you, you can't do this. You can't be this. You can't accomplish this. You will never break free, Zerubbabel. This will never happen for you. Questions that come on to attack your personhood. To question your motives. To cause you to doubt where you even stand with God. Questions that come to say, as it said to Zerubbabel, there was a whole lot of rubbish that had to be moved. There's always rubbish. Someone say there's always rubbish. This building has a bit of rubbish from flooding and I don't hold on to this building I have no emotional but I don't curse nor despise this building because this ground is holy ground when I come up here and pray for the future I always bless the ground because because I can remember miracles that happened over there back there over here down there back over there in seats I can remember so much miracles that exist in this atmosphere. Doesn't mean we have to stay in this building. No, by no means no. But I remember the rubbish. Praise you, Holy Spirit. That the Lord moved out of the way in people's lives. I remember the addictions he pushed back. I remember the marriages that weren't supposed to make it that he pushed back. I remember so much of his miraculous. Even if I can't remember the faces at times. I can remember the faces, maybe not the name. There's always rubbish. You got some rubbish in your life this morning before we get to my second point, which is short. You've got some rubbish that has to be moved just like Zerubbabel. And the Lord just says, what is this great mountain before Christine? Whatever it is. Fears and consistencies. I'm not. Insecurity. You know, significance is a powerful weapon of warfare. It protects our confidence in God and keeps us in our place. God wants you to know you matter today. You're significant. Maybe no one has told you that in a while. Maybe you haven't felt significant. Or maybe you feel like you've been holding this building up by yourself or your family. I don't make this about the church. Your workplace. You're the only one at the work that does it. I'm going to tell you, God has other people. Anytime Rhonda Davis thinks she's holding the world up, he'll say, well, I will just talk to you about a few people. Because somebody's always doing as much as you are or more. God brings significance. Significance says, I matter. Say, I matter. You matter. You're in the right place in the timeline of God in this generation, in this year. God has giftings and work that he wants to bring forth and through you. He wants to keep that vision alive. And his word does sound absurd. It does sound absurd. But he's saying, remember me. Remember my works. Remember what I've done. Reform the vision of who I am in your mind. Fear dismembers and fear disfigures our perspective of God making him seem powerless. But God's bring vision, which you know my statement that I love. This is what could be. This is what should be. God comes to each one of you. If I could say every one of your names, we don't have time. We need to wrap this up. What are you? And he says it. He calls the mountain by name. He says mountain in Zechariah, but, and, and, but Zerubbabel knew what the mountain was. And you know right today what it is. Maybe it's responsibility, your future. Like I said, physical healing. If you're a preacher, it's that you're going to stop being creative. Every preacher will tell you that you're just going to shut off and you're never going to think of another creative moment. You're never going to have nothing new to say. Whatever it is, what are you on Great Mountain? What are you? 
maybe it's experiences you've had in your past in relationships and you fear that's going to happen again. Maybe it's that that loved one will never get it, never get saved, or that you'll really never get it, and people will really find out who you are. Well, I hope they do. Because there's healing in that. God does cover, and he strengthens. And he's just drawing us in that vision. This is who you are, Zerubbabel. You see that mountain? You're the one that's going to cause it level. But I want you to know it's going to level before you. I want you to know how significant you are to me. How precious. How at the right place at the right time that you are. You with all your inconsistency, weaknesses, challenges. You. I want to say your name. If I could say one thing to you today, locate yourself, locate yourself right here in this word and go write it at home. Say, what are you, O great mountain before Gilead? That you shall be made a plain. Because the Lord wants you to know you're significant. What he's called you to do is significant. There's no one that can take your place. Amidst all the people with all the insurmountable odds, you can understand all of this by hearing him say, you know what? He's going to make it level. My second and final point, which is short divine intervention. Number one, divine encouragement. Number two, divine intervention. After God, when God encourages him, he then says, this is how this is going to happen. I love this. Because he said, not by might nor by power. What he's going to say is, don't take yourself so seriously. All my elders tell me that all the time. Rhonda, don't take yourself so seriously. Because sometimes when I go to ministry, it's like, it's, it's the biggest thing that ever existed upon the planet. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever I'm doing, it's got to be just, you know, I'm going to just exhaust my husband. Thank God he's a calm man. He just lays on the couch and prays for me as I go into spastic mode. Of, But I do take serious everything God calls me to do. But we need to stop taking ourselves so seriously. Last time I checked, Tanner, you're not holding up the world with your own hands. You didn't part the seas, Leela. Linda. You didn't do what all Christ did, but greater than that shall he do through you. Didn't expect to get a word from you. In the latter days of your life, says the Spirit of the Lord, there are many to come. I will use you in ways you only imagined when you were young. For the Lord has laid a hand, a spiritual mother upon you, one with the great shoulders of Deborah and the great words of the Holy Spirit. Think it not small, because you walk in thunder and your words are as lightning. And when you speak, it comes from the authority of the Holy Spirit himself. This is going to continue to flow in unlimited measure. Strengthen your feeble knees. Take a firm grip, says the Lord. Hebrews. And walk the walk, and those coming behind you shall not fail, but they shall be strong by the Spirit of the Lord. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That divine intervention, not by might nor by power, says the Lord, but by my spirit. Someone say by his spirit. Kairos moments are unplanned. Sometimes it's like they're set moments of God. And I could teach a lot on that right now, but we don't have the time. But it's when God just comes in with a double wave of grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. 
I have the grace of the power of God coming onto me to do with ease what I could never do on my own. But I've got to depend more on His grace than to take myself seriously. Dr. R.T. Kendall, who's pastor of Westminster Chapel, theologian, one of my spiritual fathers, I was so proud to meet. I've read probably 30 of his books. Just when he speaks, when he writes, oh, oh, it's so awesome. It's so from heaven. But he said, Rhonda, don't take yourself so seriously. Take the work of the kingdom seriously. But remember, I am God. You'll never do it perfect enough. You'll never do it glorious enough for your own measurements or for others. You've got to do the work with all your might, with all your power, but then you've got to step back and let God come in and let God do what only God can do because His power is without limits. Somebody give Him a hand clap of praise in this house. Somebody shout hallelujah to His name. It does not remove your responsibility or mine. I've taught Wednesday night about potential and it demands being put on it even in your church, at your job. But Kairos moment is that moment you can't describe. How many of you were saved on a Sunday? Lift your hand. Think about when you got saved. Okay, Lord. How many were saved on a Monday? Lift your hand. Anybody saved on a Monday? How many were saved on a Tuesday? Lift your hand. Brooke, you and I, baby. How many were saved on a Wednesday? Lift your hand. You might not even remember. Thank you. How many were saved on a Thursday? How many were saved on a Friday? And then a Saturday, almost every day of the week. Give the Lord a hand. I'll tell you why I asked that question. That was the biggest Kairos moment of your life. Unexplained, undeserved moment of God. When you received Jesus Christ, everything changed. Your past was eradicated. Your future was changed. Your name was changed to Lamb of God. And your future was radically altered. And everything of where you're going to spend eternity in one second was changed. Heaven shouted. Angels said, glory to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Bible says people rejoiced in glory. They shouted unto the Lamb, be all power, the day that you received Jesus. Because they knew in that moment God had won. That's a kairos. Give him one more praise before I finish. But I'm going to tell you something. What God says to Zerubbabel, He says to you, when you've done all you can, step back. Don't take yourself so seriously. Do all you can. Be responsible. Absolutely. Personal responsibility is a big issue with me. Do all you can. But then let me step in. Let me do what only I can do. Because Zerubbabel, the mountain's going to fall, but it won't be by your might or your power. I encouraged you, but I want you to know it is by my might. It is by my power. I'm going to do in a moment. Divine intervention is promised. It's for a purpose. It's pure. It's powerful. It's peculiar. It's progressive. It's an answer. It's programmed. It's permanent. It's perfect. I love that about divine moments. The Bible says in Isaiah 63, because of his compassion and great faithfulness, he has become our deliverer. Someone say, my deliverer. Through all they suffered, he suffered too. And the messenger from heaven was sent with his very presence and delivered them in his love and mercy. He lifted them up and carried them. This is so powerful. Before I close, I want you to see this. It's so powerful. Um, pastor Dwayne Miller um, was a pastor. He preached his first sermon on a, a sermon on a Sunday morning, but he had the flu. The second service, he was sicker than he was in the first. He was supposed to preach that night, but he couldn't. His voice lost in a season of the flu. It attacked in a rare virus his vocal cords, and he lost his voice. He tried to go on as a pastor, but he eventually resigned and said, I mean, I preach. That's what I do. I can't do this. He didn't have a co-pastor. 
And so he and his wife moved. They lost their income. They lost their job. They lost everything. He went to Texas and started attending with this. He started attending a large Baptist church. And at that large Baptist church, one Sunday they asked him to teach a Sunday school class, which was about 100 people. And as he was teaching on Psalms 103 and making a rare and unlearned point that Jesus doesn't always heal, this is a recording. Pastor, I'll play it for you. We, it's been out there for a while, but the recording just kind of hit the end. In the recording, as he's teaching, they were recording it on cassette. You hear when he got to, he delivers my life from the pit. His voice started picking up. By the, and then he starts to pause. He was just preaching that Jesus doesn't always heal. But guess what? Not by my, but by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. All of a sudden, in a Kairos moment, his voice gets stronger and stronger and stronger. He starts weeping. You hear those precious Baptist brothers and sisters weeping and crying. They're seeing a miracle. For three years, the man could not speak. The man trusted God, but in a Kairos moment, the Lord reached in and said, What are you, O great mountain? Before Pastor Dwayne Miller, you shall become a plain. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And since that time, he's been on focus on family. Even Oprah brought him on, if you can believe that, because it's such a documented miracle. Kairos opens the door for God's promise, and patience keeps it open until the promise is fulfilled. Kenneth Copeland said that I love that. Let me say it again. Faith opens the door to God's promises for you, but patience keeps it open until the promise is fulfilled. I remember a Kairos moment in my own life before I prayed with you. In 1983, living at um, 740 Walker Street, I was meditating about this in my devotions yesterday, not knowing I was going to preach and just crying. I encourage you to find a moment in the Lord and think about something He's done. I don't know what got me going on. I heard a song, and I just was weeping on my prayer couch. And I was remember having gone through three weeks of so much that God was doing. That's not my time to tell. I'll tell it soon on Wednesday night. He was healing me of the bitterness, healing me of the unforgiveness, healing all the things, healing for damaged emotions. He was doing it, concentrated work. But toward the end of it, I got weary. Everyone say weary. So weary and so tired. We get that way. I don't, I don't know that I can keep going with this. And I told my friend, Pastor Perry Kite, who's in heaven now, I said, uh, I just don't think I can keep doing this. I don't, I don't know what God wants me to do. I'd been such a divine, supernatural zone. It was supernatural. I mean, just things I couldn't ever even tell. I mean, couldn't tell. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Pastor Perry Kite, and he reached over. We were sitting on our couch where Melissa and I lived and two other girls put his hand on my shoulder and he said this is for somebody hallelujah at a time that you think not says the Lord I will make my will known to you and it just I cried and I wept and I fell asleep took a nap went to bed that night later that night and in the middle of the night I can still see this room Susan I, it's now a, a Spanish theological place I wish I owned that little building near Lee it's a prayer place I go near Queen today I go and, and pray for Susan and I and for all of you and I go in there on Saturday when they're not in I sit on the steps and I just pray because it's a place where God a Kairos moment everyone say Kairos set time of the Lord 
And I still remember how our Missy's bed was up against this wall. It was a very tiny room, Leah. My bed was on this wall. We had a vanity where we did our makeup because, you know, that's how you roll. And we had no tutorials back in that day. It was all blind. But anyway, we had a, a, a makeup thing, and we kept a little light on at night, and we played music. We were young. We could sleep through anything. Missy could have slept through a hurricane. And um, we went to bed with music sleeping at about 3 o'clock in the morning. Something just jolted me up. I mean, I sat up. The presence of the Lord, be encouraged by this, was so strong in the room. It was like the whole room just lit up. And the power of God was so strong, and I could hear what song was playing, and it was Phil Driscoll, who we loved to listen to and still do, a friend of ours, and we got the part where he said, For thou, O Lord, Above all the earth, thou art exalted, high above all else. And he went to that chorus, and I exalt thee, I exalt thee. And he just began to sing, and, and I just said, what, 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 what? Because I could sense he was there, I couldn't move, and the glory, Missy was sleeping soundly. And he said, this day, I am going to do something amazing in your heart. And I just cried and I wept. I didn't know what it meant. It was a Kairos moment. It was that night I made my final track to Cedar Valley Church of God, walked into a service to hear evangelist Hank Davis preach the last time. It was that night that the Spirit of the Lord moved on me in the altar and he unearthed every rubbish, every bitterness, every hurt, everything that was left. He healed. He put the he uncovered the love that was for my husband that was hidden and buried. Love is like a mighty river, says Song of Solomon. It cannot be stopped. It cannot, it's like a flame. It cannot be quenched but it can be buried. You may feel like you've lost your love for the Lord. You may feel like you've lost your love for your spouse, for your child, for your work, for your job. A Kairos moment comes to do the supernatural on familiar ground. God doesn't have to uproot you, to move you, to change you. God can do in a moment what only God can do. He can move in and say, this is my will. I'm going to tell you it won't be by might, it won't be by power, but this mountain shall be moved, says the Lord. Can you stand all over this house? and give him the best praise come on can you just give him the best praise come on can you just give him the best praise come on all over this house can you give him the best praise hallelujah we bless your name Jesus hallelujah we bless your name Jesus what is this great mountain before you before we pray